You are listening to a podcast by St. Wilfrid's Church, Kibworth. We hope you are stirred, encouraged and blessed by this message. Normally our service would be interrupted or... Not necessarily interrupted, that's the wrong word, isn't it? Normally our service would have a different feel to it and a different flow because we would have more songs, but we have very, very few in, in these services that we're streaming. Um, hopefully this year things will change, won't they? <laughs> and we begin to sing again and worship with, with the expression of our voices, uh, with our standing, with our raised hands. But we're turning straight to our reading and to our sermon. So this reading comes from the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, this was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. I, I love that reading. I, it, it contains almost the whole gospel veiled and in summarized or picture language, but it contains it all, all the truth that we really need to know we could find in that if we meditate on this. We all have different favorites, don't we? Uh, I don't really have any proper favorites because I love all of Scripture. It's the key to salvation. It's, it's the key to knowing God. It's the, it's the answer to all our problems. It's God's self-revelation of himself. 
But today I want to talk about a vision for the future. Today I want to take the opportunity and, and use this as a, like a New Year's sermon. Because it is a new year, of course, 2021. And uh, many of us start the new year with New Year's resolutions. Although I think they've become less and less fashionable. And I think there's a very easy reason for that, because two or three days later we break them. And they're gone and forgotten. <laughs> well, in my case, that used to be always the case. So I don't bother anymore much. <laughs> but what I want to do at the beginning of every year is look a little bit back and look forward above everything else. Actually not to be hindered by the past, but just like almost forgetting what is behind, like Paul writes, straining towards what God has called us heavenwards for to. Um, some people might, rather than have a New Year's resolution, have targets. That's the business speak, isn't it? Or goals. Other people call it different things, perhaps. I don't know. But uh, one thing I do know is that unless we're passionate about what we want to change, we will never change it. Unless we're passionate about going into the future with a vision, we haven't got a chance, I don't think. Because it really comes very soon, very quickly. The energy is gone. The idea is no longer so fresh. And we've known that we've failed so many times before as well anyway. So what I perhaps prefer is what uh, we all know very, very well, you, most of us will, from Dr. Martin Luther King. I have a dream. And you know, when we stop dreaming, we stop living. We all can relate to that, can't we, when I say that. When we stop dreaming, we stop living. And dreams usually, like Martin Luther's, the Martin Luther King's dream, they might not be fulfilled even in our lifetime. We might not see it ever, but we will not stop dreaming. There's a scripture uh, in, in the King James Version, uh, Proverbs 29, 18, is translated, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, the modern translations have realized that that wasn't quite accurate, that the people perish without vision. It actually says, people cast off restraint, which doesn't quite work so well, that you perish without a vision. Um, but there is another proverb that I think works perfectly well, and that's Proverbs 13, verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart grow sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. So when we have a hope that we're, something we're longing for and hoping for and it's been deferred over and over, back, pushed back all the time, just like the end of this coronavirus thing and lockdowns and all those, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. That's a good saying, isn't it, from Proverbs. I love Proverbs. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. So, I, I, I love dreaming. I, I love having dreams and visions and hope for the future. I'm a dreamer. 
Joseph was a dreamer and his, his brothers didn't like him for it. His dreams were all about his greatness, how they all would bow before him one day. I don't have dreams like that, but <laughs> I have dreams and they, and they don't go away, no matter how many painful disappointments on the way. And I, I'm deliberate about how I deal with those things. And I want to share a little bit about that today. Because we all have dashed hopes and dreams, don't we? And because it's so painful, we stop dreaming sometimes. We stop having the vision and the dream because it just doesn't seem to happen year on year on year. But you see, with God, a year is very little. Even 40 years is very little. He did things in 40-year chunks with Moses. Moses lived in Pharaoh's household for 40 years until he began to realize his own people were actually in slavery and began, began to go there and see what was happening. And then uh, because he, he murdered a, an Egyptian, he ran away. He had to flee. And he was 40 years in obscurity, nothing. That's 80 years of his life already. You'd think that's the end of his life nearly, wouldn't you? And then God calls him and says, you're going to set my people free. You're going to go back to Egypt. You're going to go talk to, to Pharaoh. And the prayer that he no, 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 didn't pray anymore, the vision that he didn't have anymore for his people, God made it happen. And then it took 40 years before they just stood by the entrance of the promised land. That's 120 years. So God's economy in, of scale, of time, is different than from ours. And we, as we remind ourselves of that, we might want to pick up those dreams again. And the prayers that we've stopped praying and start praying them again. And then see God doing it. So what I do to strengthen myself when I get disappointed or when I'm thinking it looks so bleak it can't ever come. Or we're getting to the end of ministry time or whatever. I mean, I've been here 13 years. Doesn't feel like there's so many years left now. Um, and you think, well, there isn't enough time to do all those things that I dreamt of when I first came. What I do is I remind myself what, he's, what he has done. In other words, just not look at what he hasn't done or what hasn't happened, but look at what he has done. I remind myself of the things, and I, and I think it's not always in God's time that the things we dreamt of should happen now, anyway. But if I look at what he is doing and has done, it begins to build me up again in faith and encourages me. So if you are discouraged at the moment, look at the things he is doing and has done, and praise him for it. You will find your courage and your encouragements comes back. The other thing I do is I remind myself of his promises. And I, I believe I have many promises and there are still quite uh, many of them feel very unfulfilled. For example, when I was training in Vicar College, uh, Vicar Training College, I went on a placement in, in London, in Acton, and uh, uh, a man who was, 
who I had great respect for, an American who was ministering as an Anglican priest in a very unusual church. I had time with him for a while. And at the end of that time, he prayed for me and he said, I see you, that God is using you to bring revival, first in a local setting and then maybe possibly even beyond that in a more national setting. Well, that's not been fulfilled yet, as far as I can see. But it's still my dream. It's still my passion to see revival happening. And all that it means, it means different things to different people I know. And we couldn't probably now explain that too too deeply right now. But for me what it means, it impacts people's lives. It changes lives. It makes us in love with God, with Jesus. It It means we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We know God. And it means we cannot but impact the world around us. And others come to faith. Acts 2, chapter 2 says, um, he added to their number daily. He added to their numbers daily because there was a revival going on. I remind myself of his promises and I have a journal, as most of you know, I talk about that every now and then. I have a journal that I keep of things that he said to me prophecies I've received from other people like somebody praying for me and saying this kind of thing. I have a journal of those, a whole list and it's growing and growing. And, and I try as best as I can categorize things so I, I have one part of my journal I call prophet's food. <laughs> it's the food that feeds me because there are promises, prophetic promises spoken over my life and into my life and I go back to them and some of them go back all the way to the 80s, and I remind myself, and there's some big ones in there that I feel like there were moments that that set the course of my life, and I go back to them and and again and again, and it's, it's surprising how well you can know something in your own history and forget it. So one of the scriptures that is, is big in my life is that it's not going to be what what's going to happen. It's from Zechariah. Zechariah. I don't know the exact chapter and verse, but it says, it's not going to be by might or by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's not going to be by your ingenuity, by your wisdom, by your strength, by human endeavor. It's going to be by my spirit, says the Lord. I'm going to do these things. And so I strengthen myself with those kinds of things. And it's surprising if you spend half a day just looking at your promises that you've got somewhere in a journal, how encouraging and upbuilding that is. And it changes everything. It changes your, the way you look at things. It gives, renews your vision. And you can see things again from his perspective rather than from what it looks like around you. And the other thing I do is I dwell in the scriptures. What do I mean by that? I mean it's part of my daily routine to have a bit of time somewhere in the scriptures. Most of the time I have more time to do these things in the mornings, evenings are fuller with other things, but I go into the Psalms, I go into the Proverbs. I love the Psalms because the Psalms, even though they're Old Testament, they give you a feeling of what was possible in the Old Covenant as in terms of a relationship with God. The Psalms show you the relationship that people had with God and still have with God, in the, even under the Old Covenant. And the Proverbs are full of things that are just, they speak into our lives. 
And so when you dwell in that, and, and I mean it in that way, I don't just read them, I, I let them, I absorb them, I, I think of those things. And, and, and the more I do, the clearer they speak to me. Lately I've been spending a lot of time in the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is so full of miracles and signs and wonders and uh, so, some, some things I, uh, I don't know how long you've been a Christian. I've been a Christian since, well, properly since 85 when I, when I invited Jesus into my life afresh and I studied my Bible since then. And still I find things I thought, I didn't know that was in there. Have you ever come across those things? Have you ever done a Bible in a year and then the next year you look at the passage and I never didn't know that was in there. And there's one th thing in, in Acts that I noticed is it says of the disciples there were many healings and signs and wonders done by the, by the apostles and everyone who came to them was healed. Oh, I didn't know that was in there. I thought Jesus did that, yes. They did it as well. And so that doesn't always just encourage me though. I don't know about you. I find when I see the gap between what I, my hope and my dream is or the, what the scripture tells us is possible, what has happened and will happen again, and the reality, there's such a huge gap, it really sometimes weighs me down. And then I have to encourage myself again and go back to the Lord. I also encourage myself by spending time just with him, just for the sake of spending time with him, not particular agenda for prayer, not a particular agenda to study something or prepare a sermon, just time with him. And time and again and again, he encourages me, just simply by what he whispers in my heart. And, and I'm sharing these things with you because I believe that anyone who has a testimony to share like that, you can claim it for yourself and say, well, if that's possible for that person, it would be possible for me. He's no respecter of persons. He, he, he doesn't say, well, that person studied theology, that person's been a Christian for so long, etc. No. Makes no difference whatsoever. Childlike faith coming close to him. Being a dreamer. Sometimes I've had times when I felt so low and so under pressure for, from different things, illness in the family, what have you, strife and struggle. Then I said, Lord, this is just far too much. Is this it? And I remember one time so clearly, and I remember, I go back to there when, when I remember something from the past, that he said, no, the best is yet to come. And I think, actually, he says that all the time. The best is yet to come. Because you see, the, the wedding at Cana, he, he gave the best wine, and the master of the banquet said, well, the most people give the best wine first. You give it last. That's God's way. The best is yet to come. I also make sure that I'm very real with God. Real about myself. Real about my failures and weaknesses. And real about the situation that I can see. And when you look at scripture... Um, uh, maybe another time I will bring some slides about these things so you can see what I'm talking about. But there are, there are some quotes that I've come across lately where, that basically say that, that, that said prayers, 
prayers that are off by hearts, written prayers of the Church of England, the liturgical prayers. You don't find any like that in the Bible. And by that, I don't want to demean the, the value of liturgical prayer. They're, they're beautiful, and there is value in them. But the Bible, it's more like an Oriental bazaar, where people haggle with God where people are angry with God, where people tell him, when are you going to answer me? When are you going to bring justice? When are you going to punish the sinners? When are you going to do this and that? And we think as Christians you can't talk to God like that. And I think actually when you read the prayers in the Bible, there's none who sound at all in any way like our liturgical prayers sound. They're very real with God. A real relationship with God. But all of those things, all, all my longings, all my dreams are to do with wanting to see God moving in our time. Wanting lives to be transformed, people to come to faith, and people to be healed, and renewed, and revived, and set on fire. And almost, it's almost like I feel each and every one of us, each and every Christian, needs to work on their relationship with God in such a way that they think, and next time I meet somebody who needs a good word, who needs a prayer, who needs anything, needs comfort, needs me to be a light in their life, I owe it to them to be in a really close relationship with God so that whatever comes out of me is just him. I owe people an encounter with God when they meet me. And this is why I make my relationship with him a priority above everything else. And this is why I, stop, why I don't stop dreaming. Because I, I just know him. I just know he has... If I feel in the slightest bit passionate about something that I want people to know him, that I want people's life to be transformed, that I want, that I want the church to be renewed and the church to be vibrant and powerful. That's only a tiny, tiny smidgen of what he actually feels about that. And therefore he will do it, won't he? He will do it. And therefore we, my dream and my hope for this year is that we all grow stronger as disciples. We all go closer to him as disciples. And we learn to walk with him. We learn to live in the scriptures. We learn to pray in such a way that we haggle with him <laughs> like Abraham did. And we, we, we stand in awe of him always. That never stops. But at the same time, he's looking for people to stand in the gap and to, to, to ask him and to, to bargain with him for the lives of the people. And so we will do things this year, I hope, that will keep that in mind, that we're here for revival. We live for revival. We live for people to get to know this Jesus. No matter what the circumstances will bring otherwise, I have a sense that the difficulties of 2020 will still go on for quite a while, different perhaps, even when we've all had the jab. There will be other difficulties to struggle with. And 
my, my longing is for all of us in that, that we all come out refined as in the fire, stronger, shining brighter, having learned to be walking with God in every circumstance, whether we have opportunity to come together and worship and have fellowship or whether it's dependent on us in our own homes, that we grow stronger all the time and we are refined and we strengthen our faith and we strengthen ourselves in him. And so what I'm hoping for next year is that yes, we won't go back to what we've had before, to so many services and all different. We'll have one service together at 10 o'clock probably in this church and the other churches very similar to what we've had before probably, but and I'm longing for having times in the coming year when we, when we have healing services. I would call them actually Holy Spirit and healing spirit. Because without the Holy Spirit, there's not going to be much healing. But the focus on receiving the Spirit in our lives and then, then being channels for him to be used and to be healed in every way. Everyone who came to Jesus was healed. But then later, everyone who came to the disciples for healing was healed. That's my hope. That's my dream. And I'm not going to stop dreaming. And I'm not going to stop hoping. Thank you for listening. For further information, please visit our website, stwilfredskibworth.co.uk.